Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, this is Dan Spoon, President of the American Council of the Blind. I just want to give a big hip, hip, hooray out there to our tremendous membership that does such a great job. As older adults with vision loss, we understand your fears, your frustrations, and feelings of isolation. The Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss is here to help you as you pursue the independent lifestyle you deserve. For more information, visit www.aavl-blind-seniors.org or call 916-995-3967 for more information. AAVL, a supporter of the ACB Media Network. Join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview blind newsmakers to inspire the population to go for their dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Vision Australia says that with blind grit, perseverance, and passion, fashion designer Nikki Hind believes that one can achieve anything. Nikki is proof of that and is now Australia's first legally blind fashion designer. She joins us to talk about the inspiration behind her fashion designing career. Hi, Nikki. Hello there. Vision Australia reports that one can just achieve anything by having blind grit, perseverance, and passion, right? What I certainly think is that disability does not uh, does not get in the way of achieving these, these things and that it gives you, you know, it gives you kind of almost certain superpowers that, uh, that, that standard people, those without disability, just do not have because you're living outside a comfort zone that most of society has. You're living outside that comfort zone 24-7. So, you know, the, the kind of, I don't know, the creativity and the perseverance and the the attitude that you need to have just to do the basics before you even start anything is uh is really impressive entrepreneurial stuff leadership stuff you know even even before most you know most able-bodied people get to their first cup of coffee we've all we've all done some some really impressive problem solving and and in innovative stuff every morning so you followed these attributes to become Australia's first blind fashion designer. Almost 15 years ago during your first pregnancy, you suffered from a stroke. You lost half of the field of vision in both eyes. Why did that stroke permanently leave you legally blind? Uh, yeah, I was born legally blind in one eye anyway. I have... um I don't know the medical name for it. Gosh, you'd think I would. I, I see this stuff enough. Mm-hmm. It obviously just chooses to go in one ear and out the other. But, you know, when people have a turned-in eye, it's it's often because 
you know, at birth, one eye is near perfect vision and the other is extremely long or short-sighted. And so the, the extremely long or short-sighted one just kind of gives up because there's just too, too big a disparity between the two. And that often results in a turned-in eye, which, you know, can, apart from anything else, would used to alert people to, you know, that there's something wrong with the young child's vision. But that didn't happen to me, that's exactly what I had, but my eye didn't, did not turn in. So I could never see out of one of my eyes anyway, which wasn't discovered until, you know, when the primary school, uh, well, certainly here in Australia, the primary school eye doctor comes around to check everyone's eyes and nobody knew, including me, you know, and they put a, a thing over one eye and say, read the letters and a thing over the other one and say, read the letters. And when they put, something over my right eye I just, I just couldn't even see I could barely see the board anymore so, and yeah so uh they put a patch on that one eye and tried to get it to strengthen up but it 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 didn't and I walk I remember walking into a horse um the, walking right into the side of a horse on the way home from school when I had the patch over one eye um yeah so couldn't see out of that eye anyway. So when I had the stroke and it destroyed part of my brain tissue, obviously, that processes vision and it destroyed part of the brain that processes the outside half of, of, um, in both my eyes. So now I can see out the inside half of my right eye. Um, yeah, which kind of leaves me with, you know, no, no, depth perception and idea of speed and distance and peripheral vision and well you can't focus with only one eye so I don't know yet I can't focus and I don't have any peripheral vision but it's amazing what the brain feels feels in um I I especially in familiar um settings I feel like I can see so much more than I really do, which I'm sure your listeners will be, some of your listeners will be familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, I have almost no depth perception myself. But becoming a fashion designer just reconnected you just to the glances of the best parts of yourself. What were those? <laughs> yeah, it did because, um, yeah, I was a, a mum at the time and, um, you know, then some other difficult things happened and, and I became this, I was in a situation where I was legally blind, single mummy of these two gorgeous young boys and I had just nothing. I had, you know, a, no, no money, no work, no anything. It was, it was you horrible. Also, and you also previously worked in public relations. I did. I did. I worked, um, I loved it, event management and public relations for um, Australian Red Cross Blood Service in the Australian Red Cross, which I, I absolutely loved. It was something I wanted to do from from childhood and I, I really, really loved it. And at the time I could not get back into any public relations work. As soon as they heard that I was legally blind, they felt that I just wouldn't be able to to do it. So I certainly looked for standard work and tried to get into the work that I had both experience in and qualifications in after um, losing my vision. And this was, well, 
my my little baby boy there just finished year 12 yesterday. Uh, so this was – no, he finished year 12. Oh, oh, um, oh this is 12th grade. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how, I see that's how you guys put it in, yeah. in, in Australia. Year 12, oh, I don't it's know like 12th saying. grade back in America. Right, right. yep. So oh, he finished wow. school. So he so finished he fin- high he finished school. school. He finished high school just yesterday. Wow! Um, Congratulations. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud mummy, and he did. Uh, not only did he do well academically, he was you, you know he he had fun, and this is great. So, but anyway, that means that it was you know it was nearly 18 years ago that I was trying to get work after coming becoming legally blind, and I think happily things have improved a little bit, but I don't know that they've improved heaps. So I, you know, I had really lost my confidence in all sorts of ways. My marriage had broken down and, you know, it had just left me with nothing but these two divine boys. I had these beautiful boys and I, you know, was this just broke, lost, crushed, socially isolated, single mummy, and I, you know, it was just this sense that there is no way I'm going to raise my boys, um, you know, as an unconfident, unjoyous mum because that's not who I am and they deserve the best of me. And, you know, so it was a sense of um, the things that I wanted to role model to my boys you know, it made me brave enough to literally do it for myself. I thought, what do I want them to see in life? Because it's certainly not this unconfident, um, you know, sad, traumatised, frankly, mum. That's not what I want them to see. That's not what I want them to role model, you know. I want them to, I want to, sorry, role model to them. I want to... I want to communicate to them to, you know, think big and dream big and have open hearts and open minds and energy and enthusiasm and to, yeah, look, and I guess to believe they can, in fact, do whatever they want. It's our own kind of brains and thought processes that get in the way of doing the things that we want. It's not your vision. It's not any other disability. It's not your background. It's not your finances. It's, it is it is the way you think. So, which leads back to your opening statement. I think it sounds fairy tale like but honestly, it was exactly what I was trying to role model to my kids. So, I reached for a, a dream and there's something about being in the, a place where you have nothing to lose which is horribly uncomfortable. It's horribly uncomfortable. It's awful, but there's something kind of powerful about that too. I'm going to so for me a that, little bit to the fashion design because yeah. that that that's where your confidence really came in. Where yeah, you know, fashion design has always been your creative happy place. You grew up yeah. watching award shows. You were sketching all yeah. the different fashions, and yeah, it, and if and to get out of that isolation. You finally chose to find your meaning and redefine yourself and what you were doing, not just for yourself, but yes, for your kids. And that's where becoming the fashion designer came in. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I reached for. Yeah. A, literally a, a dream. And my dream had always been to be a fashion designer. And I just always thought it was, um, you know, kind of a, a, a silly 
a silly thing to just keep as a dream, but I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to give that a go. And I did. So I went back to TAFE part-time just to learn how to, you know, get the ideas in my head actually yeah. you took the, uh, into garments. TAF, you took the TAF course, the T-A-F-E course. What is TAF? Yeah, which TAFE is, um, what do you call it, like a um, – it, it's 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 a step below uni, I guess. Oh, TAFE won't like me saying that. I love TAFE. I'm a huge fan of it. I'm just trying to think of Polytechnic. Is that what you call them over there? Uh, there Polytechnic we have, College? We have a place, we have a university in San Luis Obispo, California, called Cal Poly, and that stands for California Polytechnic University. And that's a little more right. It's, it's Some of it's a little more focused on science, but they have other majors too. Oh, no, it's more, it's more, practical stuff so it's very industry driven and it kind of came about in Australia through the trade union movement and um you, you know so it's whereas uni is more academic focused TAFE is the qualifications are very practical very hands-on and that's what I wanted I just wanted to do it I wasn't even interested in the qualification I wanted someone to show me how to do it how to get the designs in my head make a pattern out of them and then sew them and have them as what was in my head, have them in, you know, materialise literally. Um, so that's that's what I did. And I just did bits of the course and I just did it part-time because that's all my vision could cope with. Um, yeah, until I could until I could create them. And it was just so fun. And um and they were really great. This was a, a TAFE in Queensland in Australia, beautiful Queensland. Mm-hmm. There are still some, um, there are still some universities and TAFEs who, who, who aren't able to take you in to do a fashion design course. If you have vision impairment, they're just not set up. But that one didn't even, they didn't, I feel so lucky because as I, you know, talk to more people through, through blind grit, I realised that, yeah, that was a bit unusual. That that TAFE didn't even didn't even question me. Just said, "Radio, let us know what you have trouble with, and you know, we'll just treat you like all the rest." And and they did, and it was really it was really great. So it was very exciting to be able to make the things then. Um, and I'm very very slow, but I was all right. I have to say, I was pretty good. I'm pretty good at detail yeah, you, visions. You, you got through the course in fashion designs and you learned how to bring <laughs> yeah. them to life. And then now talk about the moment when you created that first fashion collection, what that collection yeah. was. Now you just broke yeah. suffocating and crushing oppression through suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder to reach your dreams. I did. Yeah, I I did. So I thought, okay, now that I have the level of skill that I possibly need, um, I'm just going to give this a go. I'm going to create my my first fashion collection and I'm a bit of a deadline girl. So I thought, well, what, what deadline can I have for this? What, you know, what's the end result of this? And Marie Claire, who I'm sure you have in the States as well, and we have Marie Claire Australia here, uh, really very high-end um, fashion magazine, glossy fashion magazine, and they have the Prix de Marie Claire Awards every year. Um, and so there was a fashion component for, like, newcomer. So I thought, great, I'm going to do that. This was at the very start of the year and the you had to have it in by the 7th of November. 
I thought, right. So I create, I designed everything, got the fabrics, and it was such a steep learning curve. I knew nothing about all this stuff, but it, you know, it really, it, it did exactly what I thought it would do. It just, um, you know, it was that reach motivation rather than that avoidance motivation. It was, it just brought me out to, it was, it was just fun and something to reach for every day. And I just, I love fabrics and I love design and I love the details and I love, I just love thinking about every single aspect of it. It was just so nice to immerse myself in it. It was just, it was just the best. And then when it's all created, you know, you have to do at the fashion shoot and put together an electronic lookbook of all your designs. So branding. And again, for my public relations and, and I guess like probably anyone who's deeply into fashion and fashion design, you know, always has that branding idea in their head, how they want each item to come across, how to look. And so, you know, the, the, the branding and the naming of the label and the the logo and the you know the styling and the the, the photography the the descriptions of the garment all that stuff all those things that go into an electronic lookbook so got it all together got it off to um, Prida Mary Claire you, you know with about two days to spare. And on receiving it, the public relations manager of Marie Claire actually called me and said, thank you so much for your, for your entry, but the fashion component's only on every second year and this isn't one of them. <laughs> but it's all right because I, you know, I, I'd had my deadline to, to aim for, um, you know, which made sure that I got it done and that I got it done to a standard that I was happy to show to Marie Claire, you know, not, not just, not just a standard of, of getting it finished, but a standard that I thought this is going to be shown to Marie Claire and I actually want to win. Uh, so my heart definitely sunk for a bit, but mm-hmm. she she didn't bin it. She sent it through to the fashion editor and she sent it through to the to the chief editor here for the story behind it. And interestingly, the story did not mention that I was legally blind. Nothing about it said that I was vision impaired. At the time, I was, I did not want to say that because I thought either they, it, it, either it will taint it and they'll think, oh, it's been done by someone with a disability, it can't be good, or it'll go the other way and they'll, you know, it'll be very tokenistic. So I didn't even mention it. I just wanted to know whether my designs were good aside from whether or not my vision was good. Um, yeah, so so that was being in PR myself, you, you know, I and it's a big magazine and she's a busy person. I would have just, you know, sent an email. I wouldn't even have called and said, oh, thank you so much and, you know, either please send the same one in next year or do another one next year. So that, um, yeah, that was kind of a turning point because it felt like a really big vote of confidence. Nothing came from sending it to the fashion editor because it wasn't retail ready. It was ready to go in a, in, in a, um, you know, in a, in a competition thing, in an awards for, for a new designer, but it wasn't ready to just buy. Mm. It was just a heap of, of samples. So, mm. and the magazine deals in, in, 
you know, retail ready stuff. But the fact that she called and that she sent it through to both the editor and the fashion editor, you know, made me think, mm-hmm. well, maybe I can do this. And, yes. and, and what would it started, look like? You started buying grit. It's an inspirational mm, yeah. athletic, uh, leisure wear career for those who are just ready to conquer challenges like you did. Give us some descriptions of the uh, Blind Grip fashion line. Just brief description. Yeah, and I've, and I've actually changed it from athleisure where I actually um, actually decided it's actually street fit gear, All right. which is a term I took. It's a term I totally made up, so don't worry, don't worry <laughs> if you've never heard of street fit gear. It's because I made it up. Um, because it's more than just athleisure gear and I was never quite happy with with that, like like with it fitting into that category to begin with, but there didn't seem another category to fit it into. But then as I kind of started wandering through the fashion world and going, you know, the work I do with Australian Fashion Week and and everything, I saw, oh, people just make up their own stuff. So I can I can just create my own category for what it is I do. Because I guess it is it's stuff it I don't design for people with disability, but I guess I design from the perspective of someone who has a disability. And this girl with a disability does not drive, of course. You do not want me on your roads. So, um, and I also, you know, spill champagne and red wine and coffee on myself sometimes because Mm I, you know, I go to reach for the glass and it's, I'm not reaching for it where it is. So I knock it over. and, you know, I also bump into the edges of things and, you know, so I, I'm prone to being somewhere and having stuff spilt down the front of me or a rip on my clothing or, you know, tripping over in something or, you know, all those things. And I also, of course, either need to walk or catch public transport pretty much everywhere I go or both, walk and catch public transport. And I'm also um, very, very white. I am so white and I live in Australia. So, you know, I get sunburned so badly when I walk. So I guess I was trying to create things that were comfortable to walk and break into a run in, that you can sit on public transport in, that you can lie down in, that you... That, that cover you up from the sun, um, that look good with a pair of runners, but then you can put on, you know, some fancy, fancy sparkle shoes um, so that you can dress up and dress down. Things that you can, yeah, walk and be comfortable and, and exercise in, but then feel confident and good to stand up and do a speaking event, for instance, or turn up to, you know, a fashion event, um, be taken seriously in a meeting. So, yeah, it's it's that combination that I I love. I absolutely love, love, love designs that, um, you, you know, that can be dressed up and dressed down, that can look and, uh, yeah, so... so so I guess that's the that's the main theme behind what what I do. So mm-hmm. yeah, something that yeah. you can something that you can go for a jog in, but that also looks totally amazing at a you know at quite a formal event 
as well as a um, that's cool a professional event. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely and and things that you, uh, the other thing I so I love that. So the more you can, t- so I love stretching out what you can use it for. For you know, a workout at the gym to a ball. If if, if I can if I can have that all in one outfit. I'm so excited. That's that's fab. That's success to me. And the other thing is um, something that you can change to suit yourself and <laughs> um, your your body shape. So so things that you can take off and put on and and change the color of. So some things with a sash, things that come with a sash, but all different color sashes, oh, or all that different colors. you know, lift up or down or pull in or pull out, or um, that you can pull the sleeves. Up or I, I, down I like and that. tie them in all different in all different ways. I, I love it when you can wear when you can have one and um, reversible stuff. You know, stuff in that first collection. It was this beautiful hand spun um, silk from from Vietnam Ooh, yeah. and reversible dresses with that on one side and and denim on the other. <laughs> wow. So you've got a beautiful These are evening fashion, cocktail dress. Thank so, you. So I get excited about that. Uh, so how can we learn more about you and Blind Grit? Well, you can you can probably just type in Blind Grit, frankly, and it will come up because I seem to have chosen a name that not only epitomizes everything I'm trying to communicate about those who live with disability, but seems original, which is great. So, but it's it's um, just www.blindgrit.com, and that should. Um, that that will bring bring you up. And the other thing about blind grit that I've discovered as I go along this journey is it certainly appears to still be the only fashion just designer fashion label in the world that is made um, completely. It's built entirely of and around those who live with disability. So we don't design necessarily for disability. I like to think of it as universal design because what's good for disability is good for everyone good really for is everybody um yes yeah but I agree. everybody in everybody in blind grit has a disability so wow. um Excellent. and there, there is no no other fashion label that i can find designer I, fashion I, label yeah. that does that i think our listeners are going to love this nikki thank <laughs> you for coming on the show today and speaking out about how we can go for our dreams just as long as we work hard and have the motivation to do it Thank you. You're very welcome. I welcome your comments on this program. Visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. You are listening to ACB Media One, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind. Please visit us at acbradio.org.